You know, I know we're going to have another battle on our hands in 2024. We have, you know, the Republicans have a target list and then they have the target list and then there's me. Uh, and so uh, we're the super target. You're like in the bullseye of their target list. We got to address the suburban women problem because it's real. Welcome to the suburban women problem, a podcast from red wine and blue. Hi, thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Weinstein, and this is the Suburban Women Problem. This week, we're joined by Ohio Congresswoman Amelia Sykes. Amelia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amanda. I'm so excited to be with you today. So I should say, we know each other. Amelia was (laughs) a very early supporter of Casey, so I will never forget that. Also, I have a daughter named Amelia, spelled the same way, when we were at your swearing in uh, to become a congresswoman, uh, it got a little awkward because I had to keep yelling at Amelia to only eat one cookie. And people were looking at me like, oh, how dare you talk to the congresswoman that way? And I'm like, oh, no, it's my daughter. It's my daughter, it's Amelia. That's why Amelia, I'm like, Amelia, stop running. And like, no, also my daughter. It's fine if Amelia's running. <laughs> That's also like the story when Casey was first sworn in and Amelia was super little. And I think she was getting like a little active during the swearing in ceremony. And you all kept saying, Amelia, Amelia. And Casey's like, wait, I meant my Amelia, not state rep Amelia. <laughs> it gets confusing. And our Amelia loves it. Uh, so I want to start by asking you about Ohio and our ballot initiative here in Ohio. Republicans have been trying to keep us from voting for reproductive rights by any means necessary. I keep thinking that everything they do is going to be like their last Hail Mary. They always have another one in there of somehow trying to prevent this. What is your perspective of what is going on here in Ohio with reproductive freedom? Well, if I could sum it up in a word, I'd say it's shameful, um, disrespectful, offensive. Those are a few words. Um, We've seen over the years the many attempts that the Republicans have used their extremism to keep women from making decisions for themselves. And as we always uh, talk about that, we think that they finally met the mark at which they stop or they feel like they've gone too far. And then next thing you know, there's something else. And so the issue one campaign that was brought to us during the August special election was exactly that. We had just gone through the process of eliminating August special elections because uh, the Republicans identified that not enough people are coming out to vote. It's not representative of the state. It's very costly. You have to go through all of these um, activities to get people to engage. And then they use an August special election to put on the uh, ballot an initiative that would prohibit us from being able to make decisions about our reproductive rights and our freedoms. And so it's shameful. It's offensive. It's disrespectful to the voters and to the people of the state who've had a hundred plus years, uh, the ability to petition the government through the citizen-led initiative. And it's really unique and it's special to Ohio. And the fact that someone would wanted to take it away because a bunch of women dare to stand up for ourselves and our rights uh, just lets us know that they have, How dare we? they have a suburban women problem. They have a woman problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they were doing. Some really great lengths to make sure women didn't get the opportunity to make the decisions for ourselves. And so uh, fortunately, coalitions all across the state said no way. And we defeated it uh, handedly. And now we're looking towards November. Oh, and we are excited for November. And I, you know, they're doing a lot of this because they know the majority is not with them. Women are not with them. And the majority of Ohioans are not with them when it comes to reproductive freedom. We want reproductive freedom. So you talked about suburban women. 
Your newly drawn district includes a lot of suburban areas. What do you think about the power of suburban women? Well, obviously, suburban women were key to the victory that I had in Ohio 13. So one, I just want to say thank you. Um, But also, this is an opportunity for women, especially in a district like this one that is highly competitive, uh, that was one of the most competitive in this in the country. I mean, most folks probably didn't quite realize it, but it was a $21 million race, all things um, added together. Uh, And it's scheduled to be and set up for just as um, big of a matchup uh, come 2024. But one of the things that I heard consistently and from women across the district was the extremism from the other side. Even though I ran against a woman, the extremism is just too much. And uh, abortion being on the ballot in a very real way turned a lot of voters uh, away from my opponent and away from the Republican Party in a year that Democrats were supposed to lose it all. You know, we are in a Congress where Democrats are just five seats away from the majority. We were predicted to lose 40 or 50. And it was because women all across the nation, quite frankly, and including in Ohio 13, uh, just said enough, enough is enough. We need some reasonable, considerate, thoughtful legislators because our children's future, our future, our community's future is on the line. And, and folks just weren't, weren't listening to that craziness. So uh, I'm really grateful for, um, Again, I know women. I am a woman. I am friendly and have friends all over the district, even in our rural areas and our in our cities. And people were just really motivated to just get rid of this extremism. So really grateful for that. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I love representing this district. I mean, it, it, there's no better district in the country. I fight all my colleagues about it on a pretty regular basis, but you get <laughs> all of America and Ohio 13. Um, and it's a really good opportunity to represent such a diverse district, but just really thoughtful, kind, considerate folks who reject extremism. Oh, that's such a good point that women are not, we are not here for the extremism. We don't have time for this. And the issues around reproductive freedom are really extreme when it comes to the Rep- Republicans trying to stop it. They're on the extreme end. So you mentioned that you have one of the toughest races in the country. In 2022, you defeated a Republican Fox News commentator to represent Ohio's 13 district. So what was the secret to your win? Do you have a secret you can share with us? <laughs> well, really, it was just being authentic and genuine and showing up. Um, you know, this district was really special because it included my hometown. So I'm from Akron, born and raised. And it was really a delight to just be around my community and being able to talk about uh, the greater Akron area and what the connections we had to it. I had to it. Um, I had there were some. Uh, canvassers who came in from New York to help in the district. And they said, they came back in, they said, I've never experienced this. We've been all across the country. We stopped at one door and they said, oh, I went to high school with Amelia. We, we stopped at another door and someone said, oh, we did gymnastics with her. We stopped at another door and they said, she helped me with an issue with um, my my grandmother. We were trying to find her a facility and she helped to step in there. And so just the fact that I was born and raised in this community and people had seen me, people continue to see me. Just today I was walking from my office um, and people were yelling at me from the street. Hi, Congresswoman. I mean, that's just the connection that people deserve and haven't been able to get. Um, and that's what uh, the value was. And that's what we talked a lot about on the campaign trail, having an accessible, available, <laughs> reasonable uh member of Congress really can make a difference. And Summit County, where we're from, Amanda, you know, had four different Congress people 
And we were split all up. And so finding our congressperson who lived two or three or four counties away uh, really made representation uh, difficult. And then the other part is uh, abortion. Abortion access was a really big deal to a lot of voters. I talked to uh, men and women all across the district in every corner who were really concerned about the lack of freedom and the willingness of the Republican Party to interject themselves into really personal and intimate decisions, uh, not just about uh, abortion, but child care and who they can marry and who they can love. And folks said enough is enough. Uh, and then just being able to talk about the issues. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in the community talking to voters. My opponent didn't uh, care to do so. And it's a job interview. Campaigning is a job interview. And if you're not going to show up to the interview, uh, you probably aren't going to be well positioned for the job. So, you know, I know we're going to have another battle on our hands in 2024. We have, you know, the Republicans have a target list and then they have the target list. And then there's me. Uh, and so uh, we're the super target. You're like in the bullseye of their target list. Exactly. And, you know, every millennial thinks that they're very, very special. And so uh, <laughs> according to the Republicans, I am very, very special in their eyes. And But really why I'm willing to continue to fight for this and spend so much energy is the representation and having good, accessible, responsive representation is so important. And we've learned in the I don't know, almost nine months, nine months I've been in this office is people really don't even know how to engage with their federal government. I talked to a mayor in one of my suburban communities and asked him, what did you need from us? And he said, no one's ever asked me that question. I don't even know what to ask you. And so I said, okay, well, let me give you a couple of ideas because we need to get you resources. We need to get you grants. We need to get some folks out here. Uh, and that's what our job is. So I'm looking forward to uh, another vigorous campaign cycle. Um, stay tuned. Let me apologize in advance for all of the TV commercials. Uh, they're probably Probably going to be voluminous. There's going to be a lot. It is. Yep. A lot. Oh, I mean, I love that you talked about. So not only was it one of the toughest races, but you had a lot of people doing all the polls who almost counted you out, uh, giving you almost no percent percentage shot to win. And I think what they discounted was exact was exactly what you said. They did not have a way to like quantify how much you have shown up for your community and had those real conversations with people from across your community. And that really, really matters that you put in the time and the effort to be a community member, basically your whole life. Thanks for listening to the Suburban Women Problem. As the host mentioned last week, we're changing things up a little bit this season. Our episodes will be a little shorter and will either feature an interview, like this week with Congresswoman Amelia Sykes, or we'll hear from all three hosts and a troublemaker. And you can now watch every episode online. A video version of the pod is now available on YouTube. You can find the link in the show notes or by searching for Red, Wine, and Blue on YouTube. And we have one other exciting announcement to share today. Red, Wine & Blue is holding a virtual event with one of our favorite guests of all time, Heather Cox Richardson. Heather will explain why 2023 is make or break for 2024 and why it's so important that we all get involved. That event is on Monday, September 18th, and you can RSVP by clicking the link in the show notes. All right, now let's get back to Amanda's interview with Ohio Representative Amelia Sykes. So you mentioned how Summit County has been chopped up. 
And we know that through redistricting, Ohio has become, you know, even less of a swing state, more of a red state. And is gerrymandering worse in Ohio than other states, right? Sometimes I feel like it's just me sitting here in Ohio in Summit County that's being used to being chopped up like a pizza. Is there anything that we can do to fix this gerrymandering? Yes, Ohio has some of the worst gerrymandering in the country. And we knew that going into uh, the redistricting that happened in 2022 and or 20, yeah, before the 2022 election. And Democrats and Republicans have used gerrymandering to their benefit. I mean, ultimately, the best predictor of an election is how the lines are drawn. And folks know this. This is not a secret. And so who has the power of that pen uh, is really important. And we were all hopeful that the redistricting commission and the new process that Ohio voters approved with really high supermajority margins were going to pan out. But unfortunately, the people who were in control of the process decided uh, their power was more important than the people. And that's what we got in our lines. And so now we're going through this process all over again. But I can tell you, Amanda, the thing that is, uh, you know, it's difficult for candidates and elected officials to figure this out and make sure we're doing the campaigning. But it's far more difficult to people in the district, in our community members who have no idea who their representatives are. There's probably not a week that goes by that we are not explaining and re-explaining what Ohio 13 is. And people always say, okay, well, when are you going to open your Youngstown district office? Never. My district's not in Youngstown anymore. Oh, yeah. And so we've had people just constantly ask us that same question. And I feel bad for disappointing them, but the district's changed. And so when I talk to people and they say to me, oh, yeah, I know who my congressperson is. And they say anyone other than me. And then I go through the explanation and then I see the glazed look. It is how people are getting disenfranchised from the process. They don't want to engage. They're confused. They may not want to admit it because they don't want to feel like they've done something wrong. Uh, and we're really not serving the needs of people in our district. So this is a really big deal. And I do hope people continue to stay engaged in this. I know it is annoying. It is incredibly annoying, but it's designed to get people to count out, count themselves out not participate, but please do. This is so important. Um, it is so vitally important to make sure that we have good representation and mostly responsive representation. Uh, you got to know who to talk mm -hmm. to when you don't like something. And if you're moving around every couple of years, it makes it really hard, hard to do. Uh, you're so right. Like we got you and we got Greg Landsman and we got more Democratic Congress people in Ohio because the districts got a little bit better. Like Akron now has someone that represents them instead of having multiple Congress people represent them. And Summit County has a person that represents them. And so it's really important for the members of that community to have someone that represents them. So when they do have an issue, they know who to go to. They know the office to go to. And we can start working on the things that really matter in those communities. So I know one of the things that you've been a champion for is you've been a champion for victims of domestic violence. And you've worked with Republicans and Democrats to get HB1 passed. I'd love to hear more about that. Absolutely. So House Bill 1 for my state legislature days was certainly a labor of love. It was first introduced in my first term in the state legislature, which is almost 10 years ago, my goodness. And we really introduced it, uh, my colleague Christy Coons from Cincinnati, just thinking that one of the Republicans would steal it. We were two freshman members in the minority party, and we knew it was a good idea. And we had sort of gotten a, a, a bit of approval from the uh, former speaker. And he just said, okay, go for it. And we just thought they would steal it. 
Uh, but it went through the process, but then it died in the Senate. And then it came back as House Bill 1, which was the most important piece of legislation for that General Assembly. It was the first time a member of the minority party ever had that designation. And it was really important and shocking because it was a bill that protected victims from violence, particularly women. And one of the things that happened when I first introduced the bill, you know, you start talking to people and other colleagues getting support is a Republican colleague of mine said to me, that is a stupid idea. It is never going to pass. And I thought, oh, wow, what a really uh, interesting, blunt thing to say. And I said, well, just watch me. Uh, and so at the end, he did everything he could to stop the bill from passing. Uh, and quite frankly, he lost that battle because, again, women need to be protected. Women need to be protected from violence. Um, and right now we're working on a bill, um, sort of a continuation of that is uh protecting people from uh, being stalked by like air tags in those electronic tech tracking devices. I had a constituent whose boyfriend, former boyfriend, put something in her car. She went to the police station and said, hey, this thing's been following me around. And basically the police said, there's nothing we can do. There's no law on the books that says this is illegal. So the final bill I introduced in um, the state legislature was this tracking bill. I offered an amendment to a bill in Congress a couple of weeks ago. So it made it into another bill. So the amendment will be there. Well, we're working on a standalone piece of legislation. Um, but now people are using these tracking devices devices to track property, your luggage when you know, you're know you going through um, an airport. People are putting them on their cars or dropping them in women's purses and then stalking them and figuring out their location. So there are no laws on the books virtually anywhere. Uh, there isn't any federal legislation. And so a continuation of uh, that work in the state legislature is what we're doing in Congress um, because women deserve the protection. We need the protection. Uh, and if we don't uh, protect ourselves, you know, sometimes there's no one else going to do it. So happy to take on that uh, mantle and looking forward, fingers crossed, uh, we get that over the finish line. That is so important. And I love that you, I feel like a lot of women are just problem solvers. We see a problem and we're like, we can fix this. And maybe some men like the Republican <laughs> man, you're just like, oh, that's so weird. I don't understand this. So I can't see how this happens. And like, look, I'm going to solve problems. So what are you most excited to work on this fall? Well, this fall, we're working on a package of uh, domestic violence and intimate partner violence safety bills. Uh, people have talked to us a lot about personal safety, community safety. Um, and I think this package of bills will be really helpful with impacting and, and making people feel safer, at least uh, so showing that there are solutions to these problems. Again, the tracking device is a good example, something that some folks didn't even know existed as a problem, but it's growing um, as folks are finding a loophole in the law. Um, we're also looking at ways to continue to lower um, costs for people. Um, things are just still so expensive. Um, and We've been doing a lot. We're not in a recession and the administration's been really helpful. But, you know, I can just a quick personal story. I've, I've got a car lease. I went to it's coming up soon. I went to go look at some cars and basically my lease payment will almost triple. Um, and it's because of interest rates. And so having these kinds of conversations and thinking, OK, if I'm going through this, I know my constituents are going through this. Well, how can we get more money in people's pockets? How can we deal with these corporations who are profiting off of inflation. Um, and again, inflation is in fact happening, but also they're taking advantage of people. Um, how can we lower costs for uh, prescription drugs and advance all of that? Uh, and then we have to get serious about gun safety. My colleagues on the other side of the aisle just absolutely positively refuse to accept that gun violence is the number one killer of young children. Uh, the statistics are there, the numbers are there, but the in 
ability and unwillingness, not inability, the lack of will to mm-hmm. tackle this issue to save our children is just awful. But then walk around saying that they want to protect children. Yes. <laughs> oh. Let's protect children from things that are actually impacting them, not these make-believe things like books mm-hmm. um, and uh, drag queen stories. Like this is not what is killing children. Um, so we've got to focus our attention on these things, lowering costs, increasing safety, um, and making sure folks have opportunity. And so that's what we're going forward to uh, looking into this year and and really hoping we don't end up in a government shutdown. Oh, I hope not. Well, it has been so great talking with you today, but before we let you go, we always like to ask some rapid fire questions. Amelia, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. So I know, well, are you, do you still consider yourself a newlywed? You're still kind of a little, are you still in like the honeymoon phase of the... I am. My husband and I actually just got back from our honeymoon since we didn't get to take it last year. Oh, so <laughs> not, Oh, where'd you go on your honeymoon? We went to Italy. <gasps> we were really excited. Yes. Oh, pasta and wine. How, there's, yeah, that's highly recommend. That's awesome. All right. So now that you're back from your honeymoon, what's your favorite place to go on a date night? Our couch. Um, we are so busy. So it's so nice to just sit at home, make dinner at home, watch TV, watch movies. It's a perfect place. Oh, that's the best. So both of your parents are also in politics. What was it like to run for office as the daughter of two public servants? It's um, interesting in a word. You know, I didn't <laughs> want to be in politics because of them. I saw exactly what it was and figured I could help my community in other ways. But it really does help having two people who've experienced it be able to coach me along, to encourage me to know exactly what I'm going through, especially my mom. She did this as a uh, Black woman. She was the first Black woman on Akron City Council. So she completely gets it. She knows the, the challenges of women. She knows the challenges of young women being in office. Um, and she's always um, been supportive and helpful and, and just really encouraging. So uh, now it's funny. My mom was just saying yesterday that people come up to her all the time and ask her all these questions about uh, me being in Congress. And so she's uh, always trying to be my uh, back at home spokesperson when I'm in D.C. But she I think they are both very much excited and very proud of me, but mostly just really excited for our district and our opportunities. Oh, they are. You can see it on their faces every time you see them. They are just like beaming and glowing with pride. It is very clear on their faces. So what's one hobby you have that might surprise us? I really like to cook. Now, when I get to cook is another story, but I really like to. It's sort of mindful. You have to be focused on what you're doing in the moment. Um, and then it's just kind of fun to see what comes out. I very rarely use cookbooks. So it's sort of, uh, you know, that show where they're like, what do you have in your cupboards? You've got a can of tuna and tomato sauce and pineapple. <laughs> And so usually that's what it looks like. And then we come up with something. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. But I really do enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Um, And then when I have a little bit more time, I like to bake. Oh, do you have a go-to favorite dish or favorite thing to bake? So my Aunt Hazel, before she passed away, gave me her recipe to 7-Up Cake. And she told me not to share it with anyone. It is my recipe. I get it. And I am supposed to give it to a family member, someone special in the future. So the other caveat was if someone asks for it, I have to make it. (laughs) I can't give out the recipe. I, I try to make it on holidays. I have a couple of aunts who have basically, you know, kidnapped me for the recipe. I'm like, nope, Aunt Hazel said no. Gotta listen to Aunt Hazel. I gotta listen to Aunt Hazel. So 
Uh, I just make it for them when they ask me to. Oh, that's so cool. All right. Well, we always end our podcast by sharing a toast to joy. It could be something in your personal life, something you saw on the news, anything positive that brought you a little joy this week. So what is your toast to joy today? My toast of joy is to all of the young ones headed back to school. It is always so adorable seeing them with the little poster boards and their cute little backpacks and their back to school outfits. Um, the school years are so full of promise and excitement. And I just wish nothing but the best for uh, all of our young people going back to school. And I really pray for their safety uh, as well. So I just really am. I love those moments of back to school. And I, again, really hope everyone has a great, fantastic school year and they learn a lot um, and they become lifelong learners because we uh, we're so proud of them. Oh, that's so cute. So my Amelia got so excited for a star student being picked that she, she made herself sick and had to go to the nurse's office because she was that excited about star <laughs> student of the week in her first grade class. She's going to get it. I know she is. <laughs> All right. So my toast to joy today would, uh, so we actually went camping and it's usually an ordeal for my husband, Casey. He is not a camper. So it is like the one time of year where he agrees to go camping with me. And I'm like, look, I'll put up the tent, but he actually had a great time. All of our friends brought out like different water activities and we got to like boat and kayak and paddleboard and jet ski. We did all of the water things. Uh, at West Branch, one of our one of our good lakes. We have great lakes we have in Ohio. So it's super fun. Love camping, love getting away and just getting out in nature. Although my allergies don't appreciate it as much now. Well, we got great parks here in we do. Ohio. So hopefully you didn't have to go too far to find one. No, not far at all. All right. So this is a reminder before we let all the viewers go that we need to vote in November and in Ohio, we need to vote yes in November to make sure that we can keep and maintain our reproductive rights here in Ohio. Amelia Sykes, Congresswoman, thank you for joining us today on the Suburban Women Problem. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to join you. The Suburban Women Problem was created by Red, Wine, and Blue. Our producer and editor is Amy Thorstenson, our project manager is Lindsay Quist, and our editorial assistant is Abigail Martin. For more information about upcoming events and trainings, or to learn more about Red Wine and Blue, follow us on social media or at www.redwine.blue.